What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Pick Swap Podcast. It is a nice Monday evening in July. It is me and Sean Bernard, as usual. Sean, how you doing, man? Yeah, what's going on, James? We got no more summer league, no more live basketball for a little while, but uh, we're kind of in the thick of things and kind of just the NBA drama fest of free, not even free yeah. anymore, but just the trade market, really. And uh, yeah. it feels like everything's at kind of a standstill right now. We saw the DeAndre Ayton uh, offer sheet and Stuff everything. So, yeah, that kind of led us to this conversation. So we're doing a little bit different today, and uh, I'm excited to get into some center rankings. Yeah, so we're going to go through. Uh, we're going to do our top eight centers in the league. Sean mentioned to me he might he might make some people upset with his ranking, so I'm excited to hear what he's got to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to point out really briefly, so some James Harden stuff today, just some like cutesy little James Harden stuff today. The article came out. Um, with him and it got me itching to see the Sixers play yeah. basketball again man he said I'm going to be an aggressor I'm going to be back and different you know I'm getting healthy I know what I got to be and I'm going to be it um, you know he's all in and winning and all that stuff so that got me going a little bit I was all ready this morning I was like watching highlights and shit I'm like this guy's this, he's back he's yeah. back I'm ready for it Um, so you know did you did you read into that stuff at all or are you just kind of you know waiting to see yeah, I mean, I, it's to me, is this is the James Harden victory tour right now. Uh, he, <laughs> he took the pay cut. He did his thing. Uh-huh. Now he, it's time for him to accept his flowers with it. So uh, cool. He's launching his little wine brand and uh, doing his thing. I got to uh, get a bottle. Yeah, we definitely got to try it for we sure. We got to get a bottle. Yeah. And uh, Joel, him and Joel all talking all the time. <laughs> best of friends. Uh, loving yeah. seeing that too. Joel and B's rocking out at Bar Mitzvah. <laughs> I feel like yeah. the vibes are good in the Sixers world right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. Uh, and we're only—it only took us what two months to get here. Yeah. I tell you, every time the turnaround is quick. Uh, we went from hating this team and being disgusted with James Harden in in the playoffs to loving him and can't wait to see him play again. So you know, that's that's the life of a 76ers fan. Uh, and here we are. So let's get into this this center talk. So the DeAndre and stuff kind of got you going. Uh, so we're gonna go through our top eight centers. We're going to go one by one. You go, I go. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Because, I mean, the first two are pretty obvious. Right. Yeah. Maybe I'll there's start- some bias that'll, that'll trickle in here as well. But you can you can go ahead and start. Yeah, I'll start and just give my little stipulation for kind of where my mindset was. for. Yeah. So, first off, what led to uh, this conversation is uh, after the DeAndre and got his signing, I tweeted out that DeAndre is the top five center in the league, which we'll see if I still stand on that. But that's essentially <laughs> what led me. Got some hate. Uh, but what I'm kind of looking for, and I think we kind of talked a little bit beforehand about center is kind of a, a unique like position to rank because it's so kind of scheme oriented and just everything that goes along with it. Center is obviously kind of a dying breed in the NBA, and there's like it, it's just a unique position, I would say, it's in terms of ranking. Uh, but I'm looking at this and what what I prioritize. To me, I think it's more important defensively as a center than just about any yeah. other position. I think that to have like a, a championship caliber team, you have to have a center that's capable of being like an anchor of a defense and guard in space. Like I think there's a, a lot of centers that 
uh, get played off the court in the playoffs. And to me, like you can't consider yourself one of the best at the position if you're getting mm-hmm. played off the court in the playoffs. So that's kind of what I weighed when looking at this. And yeah, you got anything else or you want to dive right in? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. Uh, I did, you and I mentioned defense to me ends up being more important yeah. um, with these guys. Uh, both of us left Vucevic off of our lists. Um, I know some people might have a little, maybe they think he's in there. Our reasoning behind that is good quality offensive player below average or well below average defensive player. To me, it's more important for my sender to be a, a strong defensive player and a little bit um, less skilled on the offensive end, to, to put it that way. So go ahead and give me your number one. Or do yeah. you want to go from eight? Uh, We'll go one to eight. I feel like the okay, top I think so are too. obvious. Like there's no yeah. intrigue. So my number one, I mean, you can call us biased for it or whatever, but I have Joel Embiid as the best center in the league. And this ties back to what we just talked about, about defense. I think that matters. I don't think Jokic is as poor of a defender as he gets the rep for. Uh, but I do think he's a guy like will take plays off on defense sometimes and isn't just like the anchor that you look for. But there's not too much you can say about Joel Embiid. 28 years old in the prime of his career, averaged 30.6 points, led the league in scoring last year, 11.7 rebounds, 4.2 assists, 1.5 blocks, 1.1 steals, and shot 37.1% from three. So there's not much on a basketball court that this guy can't do. I'm impressed he continues to add layers to his game, and I think he's the best at his position. I can't wait to see him again. Uh, like we were talking about earlier, I can't wait to see this guy back in action. Uh, you know, not not too much to say that we haven't already said many, many times. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't beat here as well. I listen, I understand. Uh, I like it almost like hurt writing it out. You know what I mean? Because I'm just like, Jokic is a two time MVP. So back to back. Sure. I, I'm not going to argue with anybody right now. Uh, if somebody wants to tell me that Jokic is the best center in the league, I'll say, okay, that's fine. To me, if I'm picking my number one right now, if I'm starting with, you know, if I'm picking the best player from each position, in my opinion, who, you know, who I would want in that position, I'm picking Joel Embiid. So yeah. that's that's my reasoning. So then number two for you is also Jokic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't dislike Jokic. Like, I think yeah. I get more, I have more dislike for him just because of, like, obviously yeah. the, the Embiid versus Jokic. And I feel like people tear these guys down rather than build like the other one up way too yeah. often. But uh, it is a little bit of choose your flavor, which kind of stylistic version you like better. Personally, I just don't value passing in the center the way that like, I think is perceived with him and the way that advanced analytics count for him, which I think is crazy how assists are way heavier because of his position, that kind of thing. But I mean, obviously a incredibly talented basketball player, incredibly high IQ basketball player, uh, 27 years old, average 27.1 points, 13.8 rebounds, 7.9 assists. 1.5 steals, 0.9 blocks, shot 33.7% from three. I also think the Nuggets do an incredible job just building a system around him and having him just the way that they move off ball, the way the cuts are. It's just everything is – it's a pretty much perfect situation for him, and he obviously delivers. So uh, Nikola Jokic is number two on my list. Yeah, I agree. I have him there as well. Again, you know, maybe one of the more skilled bigs that's ever – played um i think you could say the same about Joel Embiid. uh but i think Jokic, obviously passing wise is incredible the way he manipulates the offense uh incredible the way he controls the game is unreal um two-time mvp back to back uh not not too much to say after that statement so Jokic at number two and this is where it gets interesting this is where uh you know i think you can go a lot of different ways and, and what we were saying earlier is here's the break i think after this you could i think there's five or six guys that can go next so who do you have here at three yeah, it's interesting. And my list here definitely differs for like who I personally prefer versus who I 
think yeah. is the best. And uh, who I think is the best, number three, I have Carl Anthony Towns. And uh, it's weird because of the Gobert and Towns thing. I wasn't really sure how to rank them. I do have both of them on here. I, I do think they're one of the rare combinations of like twin towers that will work because of what a great shooter Carl Anthony Towns is. Uh, looking at his stats, 26 years old, 24.6 points, 9.8 rebounds, 3.6 assists, 1.1 block, 1.0 steal, and shot 41% from three, which is just crazy from a big yeah. man. Uh, I think he's going to do a ton of just kind of spot-up shooting this year, which is going to be unique. But uh, why I have Towns this high is I think, obviously, he's a very impressive offensive player. I think he is solid enough defensively to still be a guy that can be like a, an anchor of a team. He can guard in the perimeter a little bit. I wouldn't say he excels in these areas, but I think given the wiggle room and how much he excels on offense, I still think he's my, my third best center in the NBA. Yeah, so this is if this is funny. I excluded Cat uh, entirely. Wow. Wow. Well, not not because I don't think he's top eight in this category. I, I don't. You can't consider him a center anymore. So sure. that's that's where I drew the line. Um, if if I was including Cat, this is where I would have him. Um, so this is all going to look a little bit odd uh, because I would have Cat here. I was just having a conversation yesterday about him, and uh, you know, one of my friends was like, he's an elite. You know, he's one of the best shooting bigs ever. Sure. And I said, yeah, yeah, for sure. I said, but he's an elite shooter, period. No right. need to put the big there. He's an, a legitimate shooter. Um, he can score from the perimeter and off the bounce, off the catch. Uh, you know, he can create his own. He can even create his own shot um, on the perimeter. It's incredible what he does. So if Cat was, uh, you know, on this list for me, I just for the fact that Gobert, um, you know, is playing with him, I took him off. So for me, this is funny. So I have. I have DeAndre Ayton here. Wow. Um, and again, this is so I've said this. I said this last year. I said this before last season, actually. And I, I'm pretty sure I said it on the podcast. I if if I don't have one of those two of Jokic or Embiid, I want a guy that does what DeAndre Ayton does. Really solid defender, smart player, good rebounder, and finds a flow in the offense. Great pick and roll player, good hands, uh, doesn't get in the way. Right. And there's another guy down the list that I'm going to talk about as well that does a similar thing. So DeAndre Ayton to me, 17 and 11, still 23 years old. He hasn't gotten that much better um, in terms of scoring wise. But again, with Booker and the addition of Chris Paul, he's not being asked to score as much. He's not creating for himself out of the post all that often. But within this this short range game, he has the ability to do so. Um, and I was kind of excited to see him somewhere else, to be honest. So I was disappointed that he went back. Um, mm -hmm. but I think Aiton to me, again, this is what the conversation is. I want, if I don't have Embiid or Jokic, I want DeAndre Aiton because I think he is what a center should be. And again, definitely doesn't, uh, fall off in the playoffs. We saw him be a, a premier part of their, uh, you know, Western conference finals run uh, two years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I have DeAndre Aiton as my number four. So, uh, we'll be fighting this anti DeAndre Aiton, uh, propaganda together, I guess, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't understand what the bad rap about this guy is. And I, I think there has to be some sort of attitude issue or something underlying behind the scenes. I, it, to me, it makes no sense, like, why there is such hesitancy. Uh, I get, like, the tax implications. I get there was financial considerations. But for me, it's like this guy was the number one pick four years ago, has gotten better every year. And he's had a little bit of up and down. He hasn't been, like, a perfect uh, acceleration to his development. But, like, from my point of view, I think he's gotten consistently better enough that you can bank on this guy. Like you said, he's just about to turn 24 next week. Last season, he averaged 17.2 points, 10.2 rebounds, 1.4 assists, 0.7 blocks, 0.7 steal. Not much of a shooter, but shows 
a nice little touch on his jumper that I, I believe that it will come. But he's only he's still young, still in his development. Yeah. And like you said, like he just does his job. And when we talk about like guys playing deep into the playoffs and if they're capable, I know DeAndre Ayton's capable because he's done mm-hmm. it before. And like yeah. he's that level of uh just big man and center that can last in the postseason. And I really think there's way too much of like a negative perception around this guy. I've never, and again, I've never really understood it. Kind of like what you said. Like, I don't really understand why people don't like him. Yeah. Um, I've, I've always been like, okay, he's, I mean, again, he falls down the line a little bit on that roster. Um, and his points haven't gone up that much in these four years. He's kind of stayed at that 16 to 17, but he's it, gotten increasingly more efficient. Um, yeah, so when weird. he was like 14 and then, then he 17 went 18, and then 16, 18, then he dipped. I think it went 14, 18, 16, 17 is what I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. Uh, I know his sophomore like season, he scored like his most points per game. So I, I don't know if people look at it that as like such a negative. It's also kind of one of those like when you're on like a, a very good team, like you just don't always get those touches. And I do think he's a guy that like there's more to his game than he's necessarily able to show because of obviously there's Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Mikhail Bridges and everything else that kind of uh, is with that roster. So I, I, I like DeAndre and I'm glad you're on the same page. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so my number four, I feel like we're kind of flip-flop now, but my number four um, is Bam Adebayo. And I don't love Bam. Don't, uh, you know, again, Heat player doesn't even, not even really in the factor. I just think at times he's limited. Um, mm-hmm. I think at times he's not as, he. I mean, he's undersized, So, but he does a great job defensively, and we've seen him make incredible defensive plays. He's a really good passer. He can make that mid-range shot. He doesn't extend the floor too much beyond that, but he can make that mid-range. But even in the playoffs, like in that series, like the centers, you know, Embiid and 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 company were sagging off him and saying, "Do whatever, you know, yeah. it's fine. If you're shooting that mid-range, that's fine with us." Uh, he doesn't have the handles, not super there. Like it just doesn't completely do it for me. So I I like Bam uh, because he's he's versatile defensively. He's able to hang with guards um high motor guy really good rebounder um and another guy that like if you didn't have one of these top guys one of these top two or three or one or two guys bam's a really nice center to have because again he doesn't really get in your way and he does add an addition of passing because he does have vision as well so that's why i put bam uh here at my number four yeah i think that's solid uh i i don't have bam quite yet i i agree with a lot of what you just said uh to move to my number five i have rudy gobert uh, I don't love Rudy, but I can't take away from what he does. Uh, yeah. Looking at his stats last year, he's 30 years old, averaged 15.6 points, 14.7 rebounds, which led the league in rebounds per game, 1.1 assists, 2.1 blocks, 0.7 steals. And he also shot 71.3% from the field, which led the entire NBA. Rudy Gobert is extremely limited in what he does, but is so elite at the things that he can do. And I, I to me, like there's enough there and you can like find ways to to do things that he can't do and p- provide players around him to do what he can't do. That makes it work. And the stuff that he is very good at, he's so very good at to me that like, I couldn't quite take it away. And he's also shown flashes. I I've been very critical of his perimeter defense, like across his career. I do think he's gotten better. Like mm-hmm. there's flashes of him sticking with Luca. There was in last year's postseason. There's just moments where he like has shown some like enough growth in that area that like, I'd be comfortable like banking on like him, in the postseason and i think the carl anthony towns and his him his dynamic will work quite well yeah i have gobert here um as well my next time and i i i wish you guys could see the list i have here because i literally have arrows moving like all day today i was going back and forth and 
you know, I had Gobert here and then I had Gobert at three and then I was like, nah, and then I moved Aiden. So it's taken me a while to kind of figure out this list, but Gobert, you know, really the same vein. Uh, incredible at what he does. Uh, maybe, you know, a top three rim protector of all time. Uh, when you talk about when it's all said and done, he's got what three DPOIs now. Um, again, maybe I don't agree with that, but can I argue it? Not really. Um, he's, he's incredible at what he does and he's a lob threat, good screener, big body, same thing. You don't have a creator like that. Um, I think in a, in a better position, Minnesota is an interesting fit. I'm, I'm really curious to see how that works out, but that's where I have Gobert. Is that, I guess that's my five yeah. or six. Uh, I just gave my five. So that's your number so that's, five. Too, then. Yeah. Uh, so my number six, this is where I have Bam Adebayo. And okay. I agree with a lot of what you said. He's like the archetype of player. Like I really like, but he just doesn't quite like do it for me. And yeah, the way he gets like perceived nationally and talked about so much it's like, that's just not quite who I think Bam Adebayo is. Yeah. Like, like looking at his stats, 25 years old, average uh, 19.1 points, 10.1 rebounds, 3.4 assists, 1.4 uh, steals, 0.8 blocks, uh, shot 55.7% from the field, also isn't a three-point shooter. He can put the ball on the floor a little bit. The thing that, like, really was red flags for me with Bam was this playoffs when Joel Embiid returned. And – like, not that, like, obviously, we just ranked Embiid uh, first in our yeah. center list, so I obviously think he's significantly better. But, like, the way I feel like Bam is perceived, it shouldn't be – the gap shouldn't be as large as it actually is. And, like, even his productive minutes were – and this is smart on Spolstra's, like, part, so I'm not fully taking this way. But, like, they were staggering minutes to get him with B-Ball Paul or matched up with other guys. And I get, like, once again, Joel Embiid is, like, a, an exception. Like, this is obviously, like, a premier talent on both sides of the floor. But, like, you – if you're as good as you think you are or perceived to be, you should be able to at least like hang a little bit or do a little, like bring more of a challenge. So I just think Bam gets a little overrated nationally. I think he's still a very good player, fine player, but I just don't think he's quite in the, the top tier the way it's. Uh, he, he plays in Miami. So well, you know what, what else to be expected? Uh, <laughs> I mean, on top of that, none of us will ever forget uh, the, the NBA ranking. Who was it? Bleacher report ranking yeah. Bam well, above Embiid. Yeah. Yeah. So none of us will forget that. Um, but to to move on here, uh, I have I have Robert Williams here. Mm, nice. I I begrudgingly love Robert Williams. Um, mm. When you talk about, like I said earlier, the archetype of center. If you do not have Embiid or Jokic, the archetype of center that I want, like if I was picking one out, it would be Rob Williams. Um, elite lob threat. Really, really, really good rim protector, but also has great hands uh, defensively. He's good in the pick and roll defense. Um, and again, he just gets out of the way. Offensively, he's going to set your screens. He has really good chemistry with the Celtics with multiple players in pick and rolls. You see a lot of you know what he was able to do in the playoffs. Came back from a knee injury and still came back and was really effective. Um, I, I, like, I like Robert Williams a lot. I think as he grows, I think they've given him the time to grow into the player that he is. Um, and given a little bit more time being a starter and getting those minutes and, you know, facing off against guys like Joel Embiid and Jokic and Aiton and those guys, as he starts to sharpen his abilities, I think Rob William is a guy that going forward, I think a lot of people are going to want, um, or enjoy his game. So Rob Williams here for me. Yeah. I love Robert Williams. I have no issue with uh, anything you have. I have him. Uh, I'll get into him, but, uh, my number seven to move on, I have Jared Allen and, uh, okay. A guy I also really like, and uh, I was tempted to get Evan Mobley on this list just because I like him a lot as well. I think they're but, a, little, uh, a little weird with the dynamic. What were you yeah. going to say? 
So I was like, but same thing with Cat for me. If they right, start right. alongside each other, I don't think you can have both. But I do love Evan Mobley as well. Mm-hmm. Which is fair. Uh, but Jared Allen, he's only 24 years old, which I was I a little surprised. I was thinking he was older than that in my head. Uh, last season, he averaged 16.1 points, 10.8 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 1.3 blocks, 0.8 steals, shot 67% from the field. Uh, another guy that I think like fits what you want in a center. He's more mm. versatile than he gets credit. He can defend a little bit on the perimeter. Very good shot blocker. Uh, love the throw, of course. And just, yeah. I, I do really like Jared Allen. I think he goes underappreciated across NBA circles. So I think he's not far off from the guys ahead of him that we've talked about. And I think he gets forgotten a lot. Yeah, I mean, he was the the ticket in the uh, the Brooklyn trade. He ended up yeah. being the one guy that stood out, um, you know, with the way that uh, all played out. I have Jared Allen here as well at number seven. Um, I think last year was, uh, you know, not really him stepping up, but being noticed, getting a little bit more of a chance uh, to get out there. Being only 24 years old, you know, thinking back to that series against the Sixers when he was in Brooklyn, like, the type of player he is now compared to then, he's way more dynamic, uh, yeah, such a, a much better feel for the game, both defensively and in the pick and roll. Like he was a big, long athletic defender before uh, rim protector, but it just seems like he's understanding and reading things a lot better, anchoring a defense. Um, yeah. the, having Evan Mobley next to him is also incredible. They're super fun. I don't, I don't know what that'll turn out to be, but they are super fun. I'm a big Evan Mobley guy as well, but I also have Jared Allen here, big fan of him. Um, you know, he still gets bullied by Embiid, but so does everybody else. So yeah, give everybody yeah. a pass on that. <laughs> and then my last slot here, number eight, I have Robert Williams. Uh, okay. I, agree. I absolutely love Robert Williams. And also for everything we're talking about, for what he did in the playoffs, like he was very clearly still injured in that. Like there were yeah. moments where he was clearly like hobbling up and down and he still competed. He still was able to move his feet a little bit on the perimeter. Uh, I, I agree. I think he just does a lot extremely well. The numbers don't pop. He's still only 25 years old. Average 10 points, 9.6 rebounds, 2.0 assists, 2.2 blocks, 0.9 steals. Shot 73.6 from the field, which is just like an indication of how efficient he is. Uh, like you said, a limited role, but he's a guy I believe in is going to continue developing. And defensively, he can do it all, which is to me the most important thing of what I'm looking at here. Uh, he reminds me a lot of kind of Gobert, except that he's obviously Gobert is like more elite at like the thing that they do in terms of shot blocking with that. But I think uh Robert Williams is just much more complete in what he can do on the perimeter on both sides of the ball he's like he's more agile more nimble like lighter on his feet than Gobert is um so yeah I agree with you there so my number eight so all of these kind of got pushed back because I don't have cat right mm-hmm. my number eight I'm very happy to announce that it is Jonas Valanciunas wow now let me okay. tell you why let me tell you why Valanciunas first of all somehow always kills the Sixers. I feel like Valanciunas has always played very well uh, against the Sixers, but 17 points per game, 11 rebounds was really important uh, with that Pelicans team. And he shot 36% from three on a little over two attempts. Jonas Valanciunas to me, um, bigger body, not again, not able to get out and do as much on the perimeter wise, but he's great screener, great in the screen and roll a little bit, a little like a, a cheeky post game kind of, can do a little bit, can surprise you at times. That little turnaround that he does, it's it's funny to kind of compare him with Marcus Gasol, the way that they played together in Toronto. But like thinking back, like Valanciunas does a lot of those same things that just piss you off watching him play against your team. He's just so big that people just run into him and yeah. just bounce out. Uh, and you're like, it has to be a foul. But then you just see that he ran right into Valanciunas' chest and bounces out. Um, and then you turn around and he has that quirky like over the head uh jumper that again 
so infuriating when it goes in. Uh, but that's where I'm at with my number eight is Jonas Valanciunas. And I was I was giddy at that going through it today. I was like, I'm going to have Valanciunas in here. I like that. I like Valanciunas. He also he shot seven of seven from three uh, one game last year. I think it was in yeah. a half last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he does just randomly get hot. And he, he can play. I think in like another era, he's like a, a top yeah. NBA player even. And uh, yeah. he is very good. I, I left him off just because I, I don't believe in him guarding on the perimeter. Uh, that to me is like a big deal. Uh, but he like finds ways to be productive just about in every situation. And even on the Pelicans team, which made not noise in the playoffs, but like won a couple games against the Sun, won two games against the Sun, and uh, won the playing game against the Clippers. So at least yeah. like, they had a little postseason experience. And he played a key role in that as well. Uh, a couple other guys I'll give shout outs to that were kind of on my cusp as honorable mentions. Uh, Evan Mobley, I bought up. Uh, uh, Sabonis, I think, is close for me. I like Sabonis a lot. Uh, Evan uh, Valanciunas I have on here. Jaron Jackson, I was very close. I didn't include him just because I think Steven Adams is, like, technically the center there. So I, yeah. I felt weird taking it. But I think talent-wise, he deserves to be on this list. Uh, I think Mo Bamba moving forward will find his way to this Interesting. list. I'm high on Mo Bamba, I think, moving forward. Uh, and Miles Turner I have right on the cusp, too. So those were my honorable mentions to throw out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I like Turner too. I like. I mean, I like all the guys that you mentioned. Most of them were excluded from my list, just position wise. I just assume that like Mobley and and Jackson and a couple of those guys. That, even Sabonis, I think, is more of a power forward than he is a center. I also just don't like Tomatis Sabonis. So uh, maybe that's you know a personal thing that I kept him off anyway. But I agree with you. I think a lot of those guys have a. I think Bamba. It'll be interesting to see what Bamba is able to do going forward. Interesting just- that the Magic kept him. He's just so massive, like his wingspan. I believe it's a seven nine wingspan. It might even be taller than that. Yeah, but, uh, something crazy. It's something ridiculous, and uh, but uh, it just his frame is insane to me. He can shoot the three a little bit. We saw the game against the Magic this year with uh, Joel Embiid, yeah. where him he was just going back and forth, connected on a ton of threes, and he's got flashes that I really like. Uh, very good shot blocker, still putting like the tools together, but I think he just has them all, and it's like uh, he will get them all together. Still very young, so I, Mo Bamba is a name to watch moving forward for me. Yeah, definitely. So let us know what you guys think. Uh, this is an open book. We're ready to hear the discourse on all of these guys. The DeAndre Ayton propaganda has been put out there. Pro DeAndre Ayton has put out there. Uh, so let us know what you guys think. Um, and we're going to move on from here. We have a great interview with Austin Krell. He joined the pod to talk about all the Harden stuff, all the cap space stuff, and and you know just overall the offseason as a whole. Um, so stay tuned. We're going to take a half-second break. We'll get into that interview with Austin Krell, and we hope you guys enjoy. What's up, and welcome back. We are here with a good friend of the pod, Austin Krell. Austin, thanks for joining us today, man. How are you doing? No problem. Thanks for having me. We're doing well. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're good uh, portion into the offseason here. So Sean and I have a lot of questions about your you know expectations for the season, uh, your impressions on the offseason so far and then some in-depth questions about the cap space in general. So can you just give me a general overview of how you've seen this offseason go so far, what your impressions are of Daryl Morey's work thus far? Um, they didn't make any kind of like all, all-star all acquisition, obviously, um, but they've really added depth. They've gotten tougher, um, and they've, they've addressed some shortcomings, um, namely in like the rebounding department um, for me at least. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think everything that they've done has been really, really uh, good. Uh, and you know, they're certainly a better team after 
the moves that they've made. They've, 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 they've gotten better in terms of wing defense, in terms of just, uh, I think, the, the flavor of, 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 of person they have there is not, a, it's, it's, it's not as like, you know, homogenous with, 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 with the rest of the group, the way that it, last year it was, you know, all, all this good vibe, uh, you know, stuff that people talk about. And, you know, you, then, then you have PJ Tucker coming into the mix and he's somebody who is, um, I wouldn't say volatile, but he's going to, he's, he's going to push you a little bit to make, you know, to, to make sure that everybody is at their, at their best and he's going to hold you accountable. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think that they've just, they've made a lot of the uh, a, a adjustments that you need um, around the edges at, and, and they've shored up some pieces that simply put, they, they didn't really have um, a complete team in that regard last year yeah yeah i mean i think a lot of us have looked at this team and said uh you know they missed a lot of they had a lot of gaps in that roster uh going into last season so before i pass it on to sean to talk about the cap space and all that uh fun stuff i want to ask you do you see an impending move like they are up to the brink and in roster spots um they've kind of filled in those gaps piece by piece we had they've had a, a very good summer league that's just wrapping up now do you expect them to uh, make a splash, make a trade one way or another, whether it be a small one or uh, go over the top to try to get a, another, you know, star or faux star. The issue with the star stuff is that you just don't have the assets. Like you, yeah, you, right. you I mean, you have uh, Tyrese Maxey who, you know, would theoretically get net you a pretty big return, but doesn't make a lot of money. So you need to make it a part of, part of a bigger deal. Uh, I don't, I don't see anybody, pushing down the door to get a hold of Tobias Harris's contract. Um, and then you look down the rest of the roster, like there, there's, there's pieces that are, uh, that are okay, but no one's, no one's going to come No one, no one is getting paid like the, the big chunk of, of money. That's going to go a long way towards a trade that people are going to want. Um, and so uh, in terms of a, a, star, a star level trade, I'd be surprised. Um, I think if, if, if the Sixers were, were, were being 100% honest with with you, they'd probably say, like, we're, we're waiting out to see how this Kevin Durant market materializes um, and just, just seeing maybe if we can enter ourselves into that. But I think realistically there's just no path for that. Um, and, you know, uh, other than that, like, I'm, I'm sure that they're waiting for other trades uh, to maybe materialize, maybe a Patrick Beverly is something that could work. Um, Eric Gordon, you know, has been has been rumored. So I think that that they are maybe trying to hunt for some moves around the edges just to shore up their depth. But I think in terms of of, of for, the, for the purposes of, of grandiose roster changes, I think they are what they are at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, and I mean, so to start with, kind of to when we look at the Sixers' money situation. It kind of starts and end with James Harden this offseason. When we talk about like none of this is really possible if it isn't for him willing to take the pay cut and like essentially has he's gone about it. And obviously he hasn't even officially signed his contract yet, so we don't even fully know what the number is looking at. Uh, Spotrack has him estimated at thirty two point six nine two million. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be right around there. Do you think this like Harden willing to take the pay cut was that something that was kind of all along the plan, or did it kind of just how things turned out? Um. 
I, I, I think what, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 it's a tough question. Like, yeah, I, I think in, in theory, it could have been part of the plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's something that they would probably keep close to the vest because sure. I guess that is grounds for, for tampering in some, in some respects. Um, you know, I, I, I think James Harden kind of took a look at himself and said, I'm not a $47 million player. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I could take the money, but we would re- realistically we'd have no path to actually getting to where we want to go. Or I could take a pretty significant pay cut, do a one plus one, um, and, you know, bet on myself essentially next next season. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, really what he's done to this point. And I mean, I, I, I'm certainly going to give him his flowers. It's, it's, it's a noble effort by him to say, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to be the one star, you know, in a world where you have Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook and whatnot, who, who is, I'm not going to take the money. Uh, I'm going to resign for a significantly lesser value and leave my team some space. Um, you know, I, I think it's a noble effort, but ultimately, um, you know, it, Harden's essentially going to, be, going to be betting on himself. Like he wants it. I mean, he, he says he's taking less money, but the reality is he wants a bag because he's taking a one plus one. That's mm-hmm. a good chance to bet on himself. Yeah, sure. And I totally agree. I, I think there's, you can look at this both ways and kind of the, the negative or positive aspect in terms of this could be Harden on his decline and kind of smoothing the path. But at the same time, like if this is truly him betting on himself, like he very easily could have opted in for 47 million and still bet, Put place that same bet on himself so it's also kind of nice as we look around the nba nowadays and everything that's in the news with the kevin Durant, with the Kyrie irving it does feel a little nice to kind of be like that's the situation the sixers in is we're looking at it from this side of the coin and uh so i do appreciate harden in that respect and i do you believe that there's kind of more to harden to be unraveled or do you think it's kind of a that this is who he is who who he is right now and even james harden last year is still a very good nba player and still a guy the only player in the NBA with twenty that averaged twenty points and ten assists last year. I think he's accepted that he's kind of not the James Harden, but I do you believe there's a little more to him than that? So you say a little more to him, you mean like in terms of game or like as a person? Game in terms of game. I mean, I, I think there's certainly more to his game mm-hmm. uh, the, the, that it may be left for him to get to. Question is, will his body allow him to get there? Sure. Uh, you know, I, I thought last season. He was missing a lot of his threes uh, short, so that's that that's either conditioning or that's leg issues, and it just so happens he had a hamstring issue, so that's either a very valid reason. And if he's fixed that, then look out. Um, and if it, if it ha- if it and if not, then you know we'll see it. We'll, we'll continue to see those shots being short again. But I mean, if 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 there's anything wrong with him, like you're you're gonna see. You know, shades of brilliance at times, a la the Heat Game Four. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to also see times where he's committing six turnovers, or he's um, having trouble moving defenders and getting around them, and then forced to toss up, you know, bricks. Um, and I mean, I still think like the version the version of Harden you saw last season, even if that wasn't his best self player was still 20 points, 10 assists. Like, right. that, like he's still an all-star level player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I think if you I think if you have that for a full season, you probably project to be what you've always been, which is the top three seed, maybe a little higher than that. Um, 
you know, but if if he if he does have that level to get to, I I see no way this team doesn't become top two seed. Yeah, that's and that's great to hear too. Uh, we kind of brushed over it, but uh, as far as the tampering stuff, and we see hear the whispers <laughs> of like the league maybe looking into it and stuff. Do you think that's something that's going to play out more, or do you think it's going to be something that is a, a non-issue moving forward? I, oh, I think it, I think it's going to play out, and I, and I think it probably should play out if we're being you know honest. Sure. Um, the, the, the Heat got Kyle Lowry, and the Bulls got Lonzo Ball the, the minute that free agency opened last last offseason, and they were certainly investigated, and they were found guilty or whatever. And the Sixers are. are they got paid Tucker was in the first minute of free agency this this offseason. It's certainly fair, um, mm. you know, and that's the price you pay, honestly, for 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 getting involved early and making it so obvious, um, you know. And, and I, I think really, really the, the PJ Tucker thing is, I would say, more likely to be investigated in terms of the in terms of the Harden uh, discount thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's actually pretty fascinating. Uh, I read up on it a little bit. I think one of the things they can do is they can assess like what the market value was for the player relative to if there's a if there's a, a, a an endorsement deal that you know is signed or is agreed to. They can they can look at the, the market value for that endorsement deal, and if the market value of his contract with his team is 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 too low and and the value of the deal with the endorsement is too high, they can say. Uh, this is grounds for us further investigating whether you're getting paid off the you know off the books, right. and it so happens that James Harden is launching a a, a wine uh, brand. So you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying that I know that for a fact that that, that that there's any kind of involvement there, but I do think that that it's at least interesting that that that, that launches simultaneously. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see in the we'll see in the coming. Uh, months but i mean bottom line is like everyone's gonna tamper because that's that that that's just what everyone does like it, the, no if teams don't want if teams are gonna do it even they don't want to do it because that's how you stay competitive right uh, and you know the, when, when punishment stops being a second round pick being forfeited you'll see teams not doing not doing it as much yeah yeah it's interesting like i i think if it is it's going to be interesting how the league plays this and how they really what kind of magnifying glass they look at it if it's the pj tucker thing to me, like I'm sure they might get stripped of a second round pick, but that's kind of one of those things you shrug your shoulders at and move on. If it is kind of the behind the scenes James Harden thing, I think that would be a, a bigger deal in the NBA's eyes and something that I think could be more of a cause for issue. But regardless, I hope that there's nothing there whatsoever and that we move on. I do I do think it's kind of a an NBA issue that needs to be addressed league wide more than a, a specific thing. And I think that the, these are just going to continue to pop up until that's fixed and the whole like the peer the way you can negotiate and not sign and i just kind of think it sets a bad precedent through everything but it will be interesting to see how it plays out uh to shift gears a little and talk more about like the sixers specifically a guy that i think has kind of been brushed over in all this is d'anthony melton and i think that's kind of a, a guy that hasn't been talked about enough uh what were your thoughts on the danny green trade and on draft night and what do you think of melton in general uh i think i think it's a great pickup uh, i mean i think if we're evaluating like what were the odds of a draft pick getting minutes mm-hmm. uh, in, in this under this regime i would say probably unlikely right whereas the anthony melton's a, a relatively seasoned vet in this league he, the advanced numbers say he's one of the better reserve guards in the league um 
I like the deal 100. You know, I I think he's probably at, you're at, you're at least getting fair value for Danny Green, a healthy Danny Green. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not maybe a little better. He's versatile, even though he's a little bit slight in size. He's still you know he he, he can get up on under ball handlers and really uh, stay with them on screens, which is huge. Um, the, the the shooting has been suspect, although he's gotten better. Um, the playoff numbers aren't great, but I think, you know, the mechanics are there. He's made improvements in that, in that, in that regard. I think it just all, all around, it's a, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good deal. Um, yeah. I, 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 I hope Danny gets another chance to play in the league. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, I think we all kind of, uh, fell in love with Danny in his time here. Um, but I, you know, I was super excited about the Melton trade. Uh, I was curious to know that your thoughts, um, obviously the PJ Tucker, uh, bringing him in. You're paying him $10 million, so he's surely going to be a starter. Um, you know, going back to the question earlier, you don't see uh, – you're not expecting a trade, you know, to move Tobias Harris. How do you perceive the fit? Because Sean and I have uh, gone back and forth on this a little bit with the fit with Tucker and Harris both starting um, in, you know, with the five. How do you perceive that fit with uh, Tucker joining the, the starting five? So, I mean, I think if they were – if they if if they were homogenous in that to- – that- Tucker was like Tobias, be more problematic. Like Tobias likes to operate in, in, in the, by, by the, the elbow or by the nail, and he likes to, you know, post up and back guys down. Uh, if Tucker were in that same mold, I think he would be more problematic. But Tucker's an off-ball cutter. He's a he likes to peel to the corners and and, and shoot threes from there. Tobias can do you know from the other from the other corner, or he can space out to the perimeter, or he can do what he likes to do in the post. So, I mean. I, th- I think people who like to marry themselves to traditional positioning, they tend to have trouble seeing the fit. I kind of think you just throw your five best guys out there mm-hmm. and those are your five best guys. Um, and, you know, uh, I-, I think it's a fine fit, honestly. Um, and I-, I think what's even better is like people tend to sort of, I, I guess it comes with it with, 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 maybe the complexity of the CBA stuff, but it isn't like, it isn't like you're not going to have an exception to use next off season. TJ, PJ's money for next season and beyond slides right into your cap space for the for future seasons. So you'll have a new exception to use next off season. Maybe you offload Tobias Harris's contract and you have another non-taxpayer mid-level exception um, to use there. It, it's really, it, it's, it, he's probably, PJ's probably one of the best players you can get on an, uh, on a uh, on a non-tax mid-level. So I, I think it's a perfect I think it's a perfect signing. Um, and I think my philosophy is, I mean, this was the first time that we heard Joel uh, publicly yeah. like yeah. yearn for for a guy in free agency, and it wasn't like the same way that he yearned for Jimmy Butler after the fact after Butler was gone. It was like this guy's gonna be available this summer. I'm telling you that I want him. And I mean, realistically, if you're if the Sixers, the smartest thing they can do is they could say, if we're gonna if we're gonna fall short of expectations in the future, we'd rather do it with the guy that Joel wants than right. some guy that he didn't want. Yeah. Uh, and you know, so I, I think it's I think it's it's could not could not have been a better fit. Um, and I think you know the same thing goes with Dan House. People have questions as to why uh, he wasn't on a roster and or why he was bounced around for a couple for for a little bit after the Houston days. I don't think it's a coincidence that his best season came with James Harden. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think people kind of 
I guess, skeptical of, of maybe, you know, what, what has he been off the court? The only blemish I can find really, um, or that I've heard about is the thing in the bubble. But right. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a fine use of the, of the, of the biannual. Um, I think in terms of like Philly guys for, for lack of a better term, I guess for lack of a better description, Daniel house and Tucker are probably going to be, two guys that are right in that category just like crazy as shit yeah um, and just like you know they're gonna fight for loose balls are gonna be tough um they're gonna want to get in opponents faces you know and I, that's, what this, that's what this city thrives on and so even if they don't put together the greatest numbers statistically they're gonna be fan favorites yeah, and uh, speaking of Philly guys, real quick, there were some whispers of Markeith Morris today coming out of his desire to play for the Sixers. Obviously, they still have the, the same issue of the roster spots and that they're already over the number that they uh, can add. Do you think that there's a path where Markeith Morris becomes a Sixer, and do you think there's a reason to have interest there? Um, I think there's a reason to have interest. I'll put it this way. I don't think – like so, like, realistically, you only have about – according to my – calculations for Harden's salary this season. You only have about roughly five million below the apron. So you can use that space with veteran minimum deals. Those are only going to add about I think about 1.9 or so, 1.7 or so to your salary sheet. So you know adding Morris is kind of a a, a low risk and a low risk move, right? Mm -hmm. And you can never have enough guys on the wings that are you know, uh, maybe small ball fives or just capable three and D wings or forwards. And so I, I don't think it's a, I think it's a, it's a, it's a sensible move. Um, and, you know, if not, then so be it. But I mean, mm -hmm. they, they don't have many other moves they can go with. Like you can make a trade. You can only take back in total across all trades that you do about 5 million more than you send out. So, I mean, they could do that. Or they could always just go to the to the veteran minimum list, and I don't think Markeith Morris is the worst veteran you can find out there. So, sure. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And so, uh, obviously, we've talked about there's some stuff in the works, and I think that the NBA world has kind of frozen since this like Kevin Durant news, and that like it feels like there needs to be like a significant domino to fall before things kind of like open up again. Uh, if that doesn't happen, and kind of teams go into the regular season as it is right now. Which Sixers player do you think would not kind of be the guy that make the the top fifteen and make the roster, or do you think not even worry about it because there's going to be a deal? So you're saying which player do I think might not make the roster? Yeah. Oh, oh, that's tough. I think Trevlin Queen. Okay. Is probably is just if not, if not for the fact that he only has three hundred ten guaranteed, mm -hmm. that's kind of like an easy won the pick because like they could literally just say we're not going to guarantee the rest of your deal sure. and i mean I, truth be told i i didn't i wasn't wowed by him in summer league like it was mostly a guy who was looking to get his shots up and you know did he have moments sure but by and large he didn't he didn't look like a standout so um maybe maybe that's a move um you know i, I still think that there's something to look into with isaiah joe and Right. Obviously, Paul 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 Reed is going to get minutes. It sounds it looks like, and Bassey is still somebody who I think has potential to to look at. I think if you're going to see any kind of roster condensing, my guess is it would be in the form of trades. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and it would be like the usual suspects like Furkan or Matisse. Right. But I think if you're just looking to cut somebody, it'd probably be Trevor and Queen. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's all we got for you, but I uh, appreciate everything. James, you want to wrap it up any further? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Austin, again, we appreciate you so much for joining us today. Um, if you want to get more uh, information, more stuff from Austin, you can go to his Twitter, follow him at, at MBA Krell. Uh, you can follow Sean at Sean underscore, underscore Bernard one. You can follow me at Brain 17 uh, Again, Austin, we appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. No problem, guys. Thank you.